0: who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat.
1: Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost.
0: Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live welcome to springs of living water with pastors ray and jan Greenlee. an unholy deception has cast a spell of scriptural blindness on many today their ears have been tickled their hearts have been dulled their eyes have been closed And they cannot comprehend the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blatant and open sinning of those who have dishonored Christ by their profession of Christianity proves that their salvation is in question. When asked how they can claim to be saved while they live in sin, they always talk about their expectation, their faith in the doctrine of eternal security but never about their faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because when we speak about Jesus Christ, always conviction of sin comes. While we talk about eternal security, it's always about comforting the heart. Today, you're going to have to choose between these two. Jesus Christ or the idol that has been built in America. America. Of eternal security.
1: And Ray, one of the best ways to look at this without having uh, any bias is to look at the Bible and allow the Bible itself to speak for itself. And in that way, you can knock off the props, the false props, the little things that stand up and say, Well, I'm a prop for that belief and I'm a prop for that belief. Well, if it's false, it gets knocked off if you look at the scripture. The scripture is the Bible. And that's the word of God. And that's how we're going to answer.
0: If you look at the true plan of salvation, what is it? Mm. And today we're going to go step by step, not through the false doctrines. We're going to deal with that later in the week. Today we're going to walk with you through the true plan of salvation. This is not going to be expository. You know that our, our wish is always to simply be expository. But today we have to be topical. We're going to deal with the topic of true salvation. We're going to give you the scriptures, and I urge you, get pen and paper. Jot down these scriptures.
1: We're going to be digging deep today, and we ask you to just listen to us. We will not be taking calls on air, but please call our producer and give any questions that you may have. We will welcome your questions, and we will address them throughout the teaching that we give. So give a call to our producer anytime that number is 1877 534
0: 0780. And tapes are available of these messages. Many of you have called asking and the number to call is 703 490 8723. We will give that number to you again at the end of the broadcast. Now, I have to tell you, as we have begun to walk in to this study of this very destructive heresy that is afflicting American Christians, we have been mocked by many. We have been scorned, but many of you have also come and said, Thank you, pastors. We need to hear this. We want to know what the scriptures say. And so today we're going to walk with you through the true plan of salvation. Now I want to take you first to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, the 24th chapter. We're going to read to you verses 45 through 53. Luke twenty-four, forty-five through 53. Then he opened their minds. That is, Jesus opened their minds. So they could understand the scriptures and I'm going to stop right there and we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord Jesus to do the same thing today that he did then to open our minds
1: and Ray this was given right after his resurrection to the disciples so this is from the risen Jesus. And we're going to pray now to the risen Jesus who sits on the throne in heaven, who rules. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to ask him to do the same to us today. Let's pray. Lord God, I just ask that you would do the same to my mind and my heart, that I can understand the scriptures. Lord, and to our listeners, would you open their hearts? Would you open their minds? Would you remove the veil from their eyes and open their ears that they may hear and understand the truth that you have spoken. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just know now by faith that you will open our minds so that we can understand the scriptures. For, Lord, without your Holy Spirit we cannot comprehend in the flesh the word of the living God. But Lord, I pray right now for that outpouring of Holy Spirit power mm-hmm. over the city of yes. Washington D.C. Yes, mighty God. Lord, break open the minds and the hearts of people. I pray in Your holy name. Amen. But Jan, before we go any further with this, I want to answer one of the questions that a dear listener asked us. And I'm I'm sharing this question to share with you how clouded our minds can become, and how foolish our hearts can become. This dear listener said to us, pastors, I don't understand how you have the authority to pray for judgment unto repentance. That's not found anywhere in the scriptures. So evidently, you're a false prophet because you're teaching us to pray for judgment unto repentance, and that's not a biblical concept. Well, this, this question is so utterly revealing of the hardness of heart. The answer is very simple. If you look, Jan, at the scriptures, it was clear that when Elijah came, he prayed for judgment unto repentance. He prayed that it would not rain in Israel. And then we find in James, the fifth chapter, that James, speaking about this, says he's the same as we are, and we, too, have the authority to pray.
1: Ray, then there's Jonah, sent him to Nineveh. He refused to go, and he went, and he spoke about judgment unto repentance. The king believed him. The people believed him. They bowed down. They went in sackcloth. And they took off their, he even, the king even took off his royal robes. And he, called, he made a a proclamation. And, it, and the proclamation was, do not let any man or beast or herd or flock taste anything. He didn't want anybody to eat. He wanted them all to fast and to be covered with sackcloth and let everyone call urgently unto God. And the Lord saved that city from his judgment
0: It was unto repentance.
1: Yes, and it made even Jonah upset because they accepted this judgment unto repentance instead of judgment unto damnation. Now, you would wonder why would Jonah be upset, Ray, but because it would make him look like a false prophet. That was his pride.
0: And then you go to the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah, and everything about Isaiah and Jeremiah is preaching judgment unto repentance. Their heart is not that Israel should be destroyed. Their heart is not that the Babylonians should come and ravage the land. They are saying, repent, turn aside. This is what God's judgment is about to be upon you. And then they go further. They say, look how ravaged you are. Look how God is punishing you. Look at the judgments that God is already bringing against the nation. Now repent.
1: Ray, I'm one of the most tallest towers or pillars of belief on this is in Moses in the Old Testament when he brought the children out of Israel and he was sent to deliver them and there were plagues given and there were plagues put on the the Egyptians and on the Israelites but as they walked under the cloud through the wilderness they all passed through the sea and they were baptized into Moses but they they all rebelled and the Lord was not pleased with them and the Lord kept bringing them into judgment, bringing them into judgment, and hoping that that judgment would be on to repentance. And it even tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, that entire first 14 verses or 13 verses says, Now look, these all occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on the evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. And as it is written, these people sat down to eat and drink, And then they got up and indulged. There's a warning out of the Old Testament learnings and stories that the Lord brought judgment, and not one of them entered into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. Yes. And, Ray, that's judgment unto damnation.
0: Or repentance.
1: Or judgment unto repentance. It's both.
0: And then we find in the book of Revelation in the letters to the churches that Jesus speaks very clearly and he warns of judgment that is going to come. But he says, repent before I bring this judgment upon you. He's threatening the churches with judgment unto damnation, but he's warning them. He's exposing them and he's saying, now repent before this happens. The reason I raise this issue for you today, there are some things that are so plain in the scriptures that it's Impossible for some with clouded eyes to see. And it requires an opening of the eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we can perceive these things. Judgment unto repentance is what the entire Bible is about. The entire scriptures expose this time after time after time. And yet for a person to say... Pastor, there's no place where judgment under repentance is spoken of in the scripture. Therefore, you're a false prophet, says this person's eyes are covered by a veil. This is why we come praying, oh, God, take away the veil from our eyes that we could see and understand the word. Now, we're going to go deeply into this issue of true salvation. And we're praying, oh, God, take away this veil. And so now back again in Luke the 24th chapter beginning with verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my fathers promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high.
1: When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God And Ray, they were praising God while they were waiting for this gift that he had promised them.
0: And what he commanded was the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sin. We come to you today preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sin. And anyone who comes teaching you that you do not need to repent that you are secure, has lied to you. And so we're going to walk carefully now through this repentance and receiving of salvation. And we want you to turn now to Acts, the 20th chapter. Acts, the 20th chapter. We're going to begin with verse 21.
1: I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And Ray, this is the plan of salvation: it's repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, when I repent, that will build up my faith because yes. I'll be clean. I'll feel that freshness. I'll feel that that uh, I'll feel that work of the Holy Spirit. Because when I confess my sin and I turn away from it then I will will have faith in Jesus and I will believe because he has taken that from me.
0: Repentance is not simply feeling sorry about something.
1: It's not just
0: confessing. Repentance is turning away and no longer walking in that way. In other words, you turn and walk back towards God. And we prove our repentance by our deeds. Now, some of you are going to say, Pastor, that sounds like legalism. No, that sounds like Jesus. Let's go to the words of Jesus himself. Now, if you remember the story, the Apostle Paul had been taken captive. He was being held in a prison at Caesarea on the seacoast. And in this place, he appealed to Caesar to hear his case because he could not get a fair trial from the local Roman government. And so as he's in this prison, King Agrippa comes to visit to pay his respects to the king. They arrive with pomp and ceremony to visit Festus. And now we find that Agrippa wants to hear the preaching of the Apostle Paul.
1: Well, Ray, Agrippa had had in his heart thought, you know, Paul, he's a pretty sharp man. He has some truths. I'd like to listen to him. I'd like to ask him some questions. I'd like to know. And, Ray, that was a good part because the Word of God was convicting him.
0: Well, King Agrippa knew about the Jewish issues, and he also knew about Jesus. Absolutely. But now he needed to hear convicting preaching. Yes. And the Lord arranged for him to hear this preaching, and in Acts, the 26th chapter we find that Paul begins his defense before King Agrippa. As he begins to share this story of his background, he quotes Jesus verbatim. Let's look at this in Acts 26, beginning in verse 15. He is now describing the scene where he was converted as he was on the road to Damascus, and he falls to the ground and he hears a voice speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?
1: Then the Lord said to him, Now get up, stand on your feet, and I have appeared to you, and I have appointed you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. And the Lord was calling him, and it said in verse 17, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to to open open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So the Lord was telling Paul here, Ray, he was telling him what he had called him to do.
0: Well, let's review this again. I want you to look carefully at Acts 26. Acts 26 verse 18, Jesus is speaking and he's saying, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, let's stop for just a moment there. In the church today, the major note is always justification. And the minor note is always sanctification. But with Jesus, the major note is always sanctification. And the minor note is justification. We've gotten that turned around. Because Satan wants us today to put all of our confidence in the justification and then to continue living in sin. And the Lord God of heaven doesn't operate that way. It does not say here in Acts 26, verse 18, a place among those who are justified by faith in me. It says a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then he goes on. So then King Agrippa... I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and to all Judea and the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds.
1: Ray, he's really talking about prove their repentance by how they walked it out.
0: By their holy living.
1: By their holy living. We want that first thing to happen. Open my eyes. Yes. And then turn me from darkness to light. Yes. And from the power of Satan. That means when I'm walking in darkness, I'm walking under the power of the evil one. And when I'm walking in light, I'm walking under the power of God so that I may receive forgiveness. Because if I walk under the power of darkness, I cannot receive forgiveness for my sin.
0: Now, let's review very quickly. The true plan of salvation is repentance toward God and faith in Christ Jesus. We prove our repentance by our deeds. Now, the Lord Jesus taught that the road to life is hard. And let's look again at those scriptures. He says only a few will find it. And we look at Matthew, the 7th chapter, verses 13 and 14.
1: Enter through the narrow gate, and this is Jesus speaking at the mount when he was doing the Beatitudes. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small, or groaning, is the gate, and narrow the road. That leads to life, and then Jesus says, and only a few find it.
0: And then he goes on, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. In other words, as soon as he said, look, the road to life is hard, and there are only going to be a few people who find it, immediately then he says, now watch out for false prophets. Why? Because the false prophets are going to come and say, oh, it's easy to enter into salvation. It's a broad way. It's a pleasant way. And Jesus is saying, no, you watch out for these false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And the worldly church says, the eternal security people say, oh, don't worry about the fruit. Don't worry about the fruit. Jesus has you covered. That's why Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit.
1: And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire so Ray Jesus was saying if you do not bear good fruit you go and that's that fire the basis of that that's hell that's hell that's hard to say that but that's the truth if you don't produce good fruit it's cut down and it's thrown into the fire or into hell
0: and so the plan of salvation is repentance the plan of salvation is repentance and we prove our repentance By our deeds.
1: Yes, and through our faith and by our deeds.
0: And the Lord then says, look, it's going to be a hard road and only a few people are going to find it. And many get saved, but afterwards they fall away. In other words, look, many people are going to accept this message of salvation. Many are going to say they're saved, but afterward many are going to fall away. And we find this first in the parable in Luke eight thirteen. Jan.
1: Yes, Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower, and he gave four different kinds of, of soil. There was the path, there was the rock, there was the thorns, and there was the good soil. Now, in chapter 8, verse 13, he's talking about those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root They believe for a while but in the time of testing they fall away. So if we don't have deep roots and if we don't get deeper in Jesus, when I'm being tested, when the heat gets too hot and, and the world draws me too much, I'll fall away because I don't have enough roots to hold me in Jesus and the world is drawing my heart.
0: And that becomes even more plain in Luke 8, verse 14. In the, in the next part of the story, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, not as they go on Jesus' way.
1: They go on their own way. They choose themselves. They choose, it's almost like, I'm God. I can choose the path I want to
0: go. And these are the people who say, Look, I'm saved. I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And now I'm free to go about my business. And they take Jesus with them in their pocket like a a little rabbit's foot.
1: And they also say, I'm just going to lose a little bit. I'll just lose some rewards. Or I'll just
0: lose fellowship with God.
1: Or yes, but you know, it's just a little bit.
0: So it's very clear from this parable in Luke 8 that you can lose your salvation and your place. We're going to take a break. And then we're going to continue. We'll be right back. The true plan of salvation is repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ in his blood shed on Calvary's tree we prove our repentance by our deeds that's what the scripture says in acts 26:20 20, and in many other scriptures the lord jesus taught that the road to life is hard and that only a few are going to find it this is why we come and just urge upon you examine your life in Christ don't be casual this is dealing with your internal salvation, and the lying teachers have come and said, oh, you can't lose your salvation. It's the same lie that Satan gave Eve in the Garden of Eden. You're not going to die. You're going to be like the gods. You're going to know good from evil.
1: And right, this is another reason we encourage you and and actually urge you to read your scriptures every day from Genesis to Revelation and do it several times a year. One is not enough. One time reading your Bible is not enough food. You'll starve to death and you'll be confused and you'll use your Bible as a dictionary. Don't use your Bible as a dictionary. Use it as a book you love to read and you're starving for it.
0: Lay aside the television. Lay aside the sport. Lay aside the hobbies. Time is short. Either you're going to understand the way of God and only a few of you are. Mm. It causes my heart great grief to say this. But hell will be filled with people who say, Oh, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. It'll be tested by your deeds. Mm. Not by your profession, but by your deeds. Have you walked as a Christian? That's why today we share with you this true plan of salvation. And the Lord taught that this road to life is hard. Only a few are going to find it. We shared that out of Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Many get saved, but afterwards they begin to fall away. And the parable that we shared with you was Luke 8. But now let's go to John. John, the sixth chapter.
1: The Gospel of John, and we're going to start at verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my body is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and, be, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me.
0: This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He who, lives, who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe.
1: For Jesus had known from the beginning which one of them did not believe and who would betray him. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from this time on, Ray, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Ray, disciples turned back. Not just believers, not those that were searching for the bread and the fishes, but the disciples, the disciplined ones, turned back and no longer followed Jesus because it was so hard.
0: The apostles didn't turn back, but the disciples, many of them, turned back and no longer followed Jesus. Now, what was the issue that caused them to turn back? Very simply, the issue that caused many to leave Jesus was when Jesus said, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. Jesus was saying to them, you're going to have to stop eating the world and you're going to have to eat me. Mm -hmm. He was saying, you're going to have to leave behind. If we want to put it in today's language, he was saying, you're going to have to stop eating your sports. You're going to have to stop eating your television you're going to have to stop eating your magazines and you're your got, hobbies,
1: and you're going to have to stop going to movies. You're going to have to stop acting like the world and participating in all the pleasures of the world. And that's a tough—that's a tough bite. That's—it's like ooh, that—that's pretty hard.
0: A young man on Sunday shared with me, "I've just not been willing to give up my music. Mm. I listen to it as I'm on my way to school." and I listen to it again when I'm finished. I love my music, and it's ungodly music, and it doesn't bring me to Jesus. And so with tears, this young man said, I am going to give up my music because I want Jesus. A young man, I'm giving up my music because I want Jesus. Don't call yourself saved. Don't call yourself a Christian unless you're willing to eat only the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. When he
1: asked the twelve, do you want to leave too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. That's in John 6, verse 53 through 66. We encourage you to read that entire chapter because that will help you understand the story that even his disciples said, this is a very tough walk, and we don't want to pay the price.
0: So we're saying that the road is a, a narrow, hard road. It's a, it's a difficult road, and many get saved. Many say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. But then they fall away because of persecutions or trouble. They fall away because they love other things. They fall away because they refuse to be satisfied with the broken body of Jesus and with the spilled blood of Jesus. They have to have the world too. Now we come to 1 Timothy. Listen to what 1 Timothy says. Paul is now speaking to his dear son, Timothy. He is encouraging him. And he begins in the first chapter, the first chapter of the first book of Timothy, in verse 18. Timothy. My son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. And then he gives two who have shipwrecked their faith, men who believed in Jesus, men who followed Jesus, men who were committed Christians. And he says, these two men have shipwrecked their faith and I've handed them over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme.
1: Mm. This is terrifying. That's scary, Ray. It's very scary because if you know the scriptures as the word speaks it and you refuse to obey it, there's a high price to pay to walk away from it. That's terrifying.
0: So in other words, a person can accept Jesus Christ. And by the way, we could give you many passages of Scripture. We're just choosing a few out of the many. There's no limit to the passages of Scripture that teach this true salvation that we're speaking about. So in other words, Jan, what we're really saying is that after a person receives salvation, John 3.16, Yes. after a person believes on Jesus Christ, He has to endure to the end to enter the kingdom of God and escape the lake of fire. And there are some passages of scripture that lead us to understand this better.
1: Let me read one, Matthew 10, verse 22. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. But the point that he really wants us to hear here is all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm, who stands firm to the end will be saved.
0: And then look at Hebrews, the third chapter. Hebrews, the third chapter. And I'll begin with verse 12. Hebrews The third chapter, I'll begin with verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. So if you don't hold firmly to the confidence you had at first, you're going to be lost. And then verse 15. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? With whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And the writer of the book of Hebrews is just saying, look, there's still a promise of rest that is for us today. Mm -hmm. It's a Sabbath rest that is for us today. But if you are hardened by sin's deceitfulness, and you walk into that sinfulness, if you think you can be saved while walking in rebellion against God, then you too are going to miss heaven. You are going to be cast out. You are going to die in the same way these children of Israel died because of their disobedience. They could not enter because of their unbelief.
1: In Revelation, Jesus speaks to the seven churches and to the second church in Smyrna. And this is Revelation 2, verse 10. And he said, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. And here's where he warns, Be faithful, even to the point of death, And I will give you the crown of life.
0: So we're enjoined to be faithful unto death. That is to walk away from sin and to walk in repentance. Now, let's be clear about this. Justification is not a door that we enter and then we're fine until Jesus comes. That's not the teaching of Scripture. Scripture. The teaching of Scripture, rather, is that justification and sanctification must be bound together as one, and every day I walk under the wonderful, awesome blessing of justification and sanctification. You can't separate them. If you separate them, they die. Both die. So we can't make justification the major note and sanctification, just a subtitle, and say, oh, we're saved, we're walking free, we can sin now as we choose, oh, we're going to lose a little fellowship with God, and we're going to deal with that at great length later this week. And we're going to show you from the scriptures that if you don't have fellowship with God, then you're cast into the lake of burning fire. You cannot lose your fellowship with God and be saved. That's an oxymoron we're going to show you that in depth this week
1: we read in matthew 10 verse 22 we read also in hebrews 3 and we started with verse 12 and went to the end of the chapter which is 19 we also read out of uh, revelation 3:16 and now we're going to go to revelation 6:47 i just want to make sure that you get the scriptures down so that you can look for yourself and understand What we are reading to you.
0: Yes. And that in that lake of fire will be all who sin.
1: Yes. Who
0: have not walked under the blood of Jesus and allowed it to cleanse them and to sanctify them and to bring them fully into his presence. Yes. So let's review again. The true plan of salvation is repentance towards God, faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, We prove our repentance by our deeds. The Lord Jesus taught that this this road to life is hard, and only a few are going to find it, and that many will get saved, but afterward they're going to fall away. In other words, after initial salvation, we're called to endure to the end, to enter the kingdom of God and to escape this lake of fire.
1: And Ray, it's a real lake of fire.
0: We've said this before. Eternal life comes to the repentant person the moment such a person believes on Jesus Christ and repents of his sin. And you know there are a number of scriptures we can go to that talk about that. One of the most popular and wonderful scriptures is John 3.16. Do you have that, Jan?
1: For God so loved the world, that's one that anyone could quote. <laughs> for For God so loved the world that He begave His only begotten Son, that who should ever believe in Him
0: should, would not perish, would
1: not perish,
0: but have everlasting life. life.
1: I think every person that belongs to the, the body of Christ today could quote that over and over and over. As a child, I'm sure you were taught to quote that, and you had to pass quoting that. And do you understand what that says?
0: But see, Jan, I think John 3.17 yes. is probably as important as John 3.16. But see,
1: we were only taught the first part, right?
0: I know. Let's read the rest. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed.
1: But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. And that's John 3, verse 16 through 21.
0: See, we're not teaching you a strange gospel. We're teaching you the gospel of the living God of heaven. And he's saying that everyone who does evil will hate the light. Hmm. So how is it possible for someone who, who does evil, who loves darkness, how can it be possible for that person to attend church on a regular basis and say, I love going to church. Well, it's obvious if that person can attend the church and love darkness, that church is an apostate church mm. because there is no conviction of sin in that place. There is no rebuke for sin. And it's all fun and games. I heard about one church in the Washington area. They're selling tickets to a comedy show. They're inviting all of their members to sell tickets for a comedy show, so they can gather together and have lots of laughs, and then they're going to give the proceeds of the comedy show to their senior pastor. Now, this man made the comment to me, I'm astonished, because my pastor preaches the truth, but he lives a lie. He he, lives like the world.
1: And Ray, the pastor already has a very large salary, and it it looks kind of like a sham to use this to get a gift for the pastor and also to do some other things. I mean, it, it becomes sticky, sticky, sticky stuff, and it's just wickedness before the Lord God.
0: It becomes a fundraising deal. It yes. becomes bodies, bucks, and bricks. Yes. It becomes a worldly church. And so I asked this man, I said, tell me, when you go to this church, are you convicted of your sin? Mm. He said, no. I've been in this church for years. I've never been convicted of sin here. I'm taught the truth, but the truth doesn't convict me of sin. I said, then is it the truth? Because this, the truth will convict us of sin. And we cannot continue to walk in the dark and claim to be a Christian. We have to come out into the light. Now, this is very painful stuff for us to come on the broadcast and to speak to your heart. Because we don't mean to be offensive. We don't we don't want you to perceive us as being angry. There's no bitterness in our hearts. There's a heart cry that your eyes should be unveiled and that you should become very serious about your soul's salvation, about the condition of your heart.
1: Because that's the only way you can walk through the pearly gates. And Ray, one of the, the next scripture that we want to share that is so powerful is in 1 John, the fifth chapter. And I'm going to start reading In verse 10, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. So what John is saying here, if I do not believe, then God has made me to be a liar, because I do not believe the testimony that God has has given to me about being his son. Now verse 11 says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. And I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of Him. Ray, this is really talking about that testimony, I have to believe and I'm believing, and then that belief, I walk that out. And, and if I don't believe, then I make God out to be a liar.
0: Yes, and somehow in this whole process, according to the true salvation gospel, eternal life is a hope. Now some of you say, well, if I've received eternal life, then isn't that for eternity? Well, if I give to you a pearl of great price, and you love that pearl, and then you decide, ah, that pearl's not so pretty after all, and you cast to decide, do you still have the pearl of great price? No. Does that mean that the pearl of great price is less important or less beautiful now because you don't perceive it as important? No. It's still a pearl of great price but you have cast aside your pearl of great price. And so eternal life is the pearl of great price. But if you cast aside eternal life, does that mean it's no longer eternal life? No, it's still eternal life. The provision was made for eternal life by Jesus Christ. It means that you've cast aside that pearl of great price. Now in Titus, the third chapter, Let me begin reading for you. Titus 3, I want to begin reading for you in verse 5. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord so that having been justified by His grace, we might become become heirs having the hope of eternal life. We're going to continue this tomorrow. We ask you to pray. Get serious about your stand before God. Don't believe the lies. Search after Jesus Christ. You have been awakened today by the Holy Spirit to a new hunger for Jesus and His holiness. If you need someone to pray with you, call 703 That number again, 703-490-8723. You can contact us by writing to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195.